This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Football a la Turca. This is the second episode of the 2009-2021 season. The season following uh, and leading into still Corona, uh, the Corona season. Uh, don't know really how I should put that, but we're still, f- of course, feeling the effect of the virus on the entire world. But football is back uh, to the chagrin of some and to the joy of others. My name is Kaan Weizet and I am joined this week once again by Burak Sizgin, Jakub Marofolo and Umut Naderi. And this week we're going to mix things up a little bit. We're going to pick a moment of the week. All of our panel guests here are going to get a moment of the week to touch on at the beginning and the top of the show. And I think this is going to be a format that we will be using going forward. But before we do that, I want to welcome all of our guests, of course, for joining us tonight uh, for this show, of course, after... Uh, the European Games on Thursday, with, uh, which saw Galatasaray go through over Hajduk split. Besiktas go out against Rio Ave on penalties, one to three, uh, two to four, sorry. And uh, and then finally also uh, Alanya Sport going out, getting eliminated by Rosenborg, uh, 1-0 to the Norwegians there. Uh, Burak, Umut and Jakub, welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining us. Burak, uh, how are you doing? How has your week been? How's Fenerbahce doing? And uh, yeah, how's life in general? Uh, your your last few days on this earth as a 39 year old. Well, well, thank God you said as a 39 year old. Otherwise, I was going to be like, do you know something I don't know about my last few days on the earth? Oh well, um, but... hopefully you have plenty of those left, mate. In, indeed. Um, uh, so my week has been good in in general. Been working away i was working from home before the lockdown so i've actually been learning some formulas this week for work so if we have any web developers uh, or coders listening i know it's something that you do almost um you'll be proud of me that i learned to write an if statement with an and in there so um, i do work in the realm of salesforce if everyone anyone does that so that was a good learning experience for me um i'm an avid collector of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle figures um, some of our listeners might like to know and uh, Leroy Sane just made it 2-1 to Bayern in the Super Cup but it looks like it's been ruled off so I've got some new figures that arrived this week which make me very happy remind me of my childhood as for Fenner we'll get onto them in a in a short while maybe I'm you should sure. start a YouTube review show uh, for your figures um, I've not got enough time, man. I, you know, <laughs> want to edit it and make it do a good unboxing and a reveal. And um, there are too many people killing it already. For yeah, me. for sure, for sure. So Jakub, I'm... sorry to cut you off there, Burak. Go Jakub, for it, yeah. Jakub. Tell us about your week, my yeah, friend. Tell us about yours, indeed. Well, it has been uh, a boring week, you know. Since since Corona started, pretty much uh, life has stopped a bit for me. 
Um, I haven't done that much. Uh, went outside a couple of times with a friend of mine. Um, but it's getting pretty serious again here. So uh, a lot of people are a little bit anxious to go outside because the numbers of uh, people that get corona are, you know, just, just rising and rising every day. Um, oh, but so Jakub, haven't you heard? It's all fake. Yeah, I know. It's all the 5G and, 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 and everything. <laughs> and it's all Bill Gates. But... Uh, you know, um, we are we are in the middle of uh, of of, uh, of trying to move houses. Uh, the apartment where we're living is going to be broken down, and uh, we finally f- seem to have found a, a new house. So, okay, uh, congratulations! That's, that's, thank you. That's going to be annoying though because we have a lot of stuff at home, so I don't want to carry everything. But um, yeah, otherwise, I'm 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 starting to play uh, Metal Gear Solid Five again. Ooh. Great game, uh, but in my opinion, not the greatest in the series, but it's fun because you can tackle uh, pretty much every mission the way you want and um yeah I, we we will we will talk about troublesport in a bit so um i will i will keep that for later yes. but I'm, I'm okay i'm good so much fun stuff to do uh which i think the corona <laughs> the corona vacation for some people at least has given the opportunity for many people to catch up on some uh, some reading some shows video games all that kind of stuff Umut, um, you're you're still a little bit in that Corona vacation state right now, right? You're not heading back to to, to the UK just yet. What have you been doing to spend your time, except well, for watching Galtre? Yeah, like today uh, I cooked a really delicious uh, General Tso's chicken recipe, and uh, we eat it with the whole family together, and they liked it, and I liked yeah. it too. Yeah, it took like but uh, two hours. To cook it you know you know because you know mm. you have to prepare the whole chicken and uh, you know uh, do it with the flavor and stuff and yeah. so yeah it takes a lot of time but in the end it gave a great result and we're all delightful I made cannelloni once it took yeah me, it took me like two or three hours I was like oh, I'm never doing this again <laughs> well it was it was good but it was way too much effort for yeah yeah, what, yeah. You know, what it ultimately ended up being like, you know, you, you spend two, three hours on it and you eat it in ten minutes. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, actually, uh, for me, a little bit the same. This week was a big week. Um, signed papers uh, on Tuesday to buy a piece of land. Signed, uh, well, today we had the architect over. Lots of talking about the cost of the house. Uh, getting a little gray hairs of, of how much it's going to end up costing at the end of the day. But uh, exciting stuff as well. So at least uh, that there's that happening during this whole corona thing. And then, of course, we have football back now. And let's start talking a little bit about that. And let's start talking about our highlights of the week. And let's get started with the man of the law, Burak. What was your... Uh, moment of the week in uh, Turkish football uh, my moment of the week is definitely involves Turkish football not the Turkish league directly but it was when Leicester City Football Club announced the signing of Cengiz Undad by posting a picture of the Undertaker's coat and hat that he placed in the ring at the end of Wrestlemania 33 to supposedly signify his retirement and i thought that was great little was i to know that the following day the undertaker himself would retweet it with the caption digging holes and scoring goals 
um, tagging Leicester City Football Club and adding an emoji of the urn and a fox because Leicester City are the foxes, if you're not aware. So to me, that was just brilliant. Um, So Leicester City are now my adoptive team in the Premier League of England, um, where I I live. Um, They've got the Alton Order boys back together. So for me, that was just a a great moment um, because Fenerbahce didn't supply me with one. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, Jakub, what was your moment of the week? Well, uh, as I said before, it's been a boring week and the games have been absolutely boring as well. And um, I guess my, 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 uh, my moment of the week has been, uh, has been Trabzonspor's game and uh, in particular the, the, the several penalties, in my, in my opinion, that haven't been given. Um, the one where um, Wakem has the ball in the 16 uh, in, in, in the box and uh, the, um, I, don't, I don't even remember. Did, did we play against Denis Lispor? Yeah, Denis Lispor. Player barges in from uh, from his back, and uh, the ref first gives a penalty. Then, for some reason, rescinds it. Even though you know we were horrible and the game had a draw written all over it, um, that was that was pretty pretty much one of the moments. And the other one was uh, was in the ninety plus like fourth minute or something where uh, Lewis Baker, I think, uh, gave a cross, and um, Serkan Hassan had been. Uh, uh, had been caught by Bergdich, um and just you know just slammed into the ground and I thought that was a penalty but you know we have war we have war but the, the referees are still absolutely horrible so it doesn't really matter and um, the the club has uh, put out a statement about this you know about how bad the refereeing was and today the TFF has announced that uh, the club will be given a one hundred thousand Turkish lira fine. So that's been great, you know. Just two games in, and we are already getting fined. Yeah, great finding clubs now. I'm Perfect. so happy that I'm so happy that the Super League is back. Yeah, 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 for sure. Umut, your uh, moment of the week in Turkish football, please. Well, uh, obviously the second goal against Başakşehir from Galatasaray. You know, uh, it's a very, very different but very amazing goal. Uh, coming from Jagne and passing to Emre, then like uh, in a glance, you see the ball into the net uh, from Belhanda. You never expect him to score in a game, but in the end, he he was the savior uh, in Galatasaray that game. And it was really, really different moment. Uh, Like, you know, you never see that kind of modern day footballing goal in Turkish football uh, very often, you know, because uh, many of the clubs are uh, usually playing in a you know regular kind of game. Uh, like, uh, I don't know, their coaches never putting an effort into how they're playing on the field, uh, except uh, for doing some uh, minor tactical changes. But when you to uh, give and commit to that kind of effort uh, on your players and in your game uh, too too much time, uh, at the end, you see the ending results, uh, very good results. And that was that. That goal is really giving great signals uh, of what's coming uh, to us in the future. Uh, you know, I'm kind of resembling that goal into how, you know, 
Beşiktaş won against Mersin Itbanyolu down in the first year of uh, Şenol Güneş. You know, they scored mm-hmm. like five or four goals. And that was a signal of how Beşiktaş will be playing in that season. Uh, how Olcay Şahan, Cenk Tosun uh, and like Oğuzhan Özyakup will be, you know, in a harmony in that season. And uh, this goal against Başakşehir resembled that kind of goal and that kind of relationship in the team. All right, my moment of the week um, comes from the Bishitesh Antalya Sport game, and it, it, it was the Antalya Sport equalizer in the 85th minute by Gugdenis Bayraktar, and uh, mainly uh, just a, a fantastic little uh, nifty finish from Gugdenis, who came from a third from the third division from Kojeli Sport. And of course, it had to be Gugdenis who scored because Bishitesh actually had a deal to sign him. Before Antalya Spor swooped in and overbid them, Bishtesh actually had a deal for, I believe, 1 million lira to sign Gugdenis, um, and everything was agreed. But then Antalya Spor came in with a higher offer, Kojeli Spor uh, accepted that, and uh, yeah, he ended up at playing at Antalya Spor instead. And I, I think it's a little bit of a po- it's just the poetry of football, it symbolizes the, the poetry of football, I think, where. It, it 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 could have only been him. He came on as a substitute, and it's almost like it's written in the stars that he was the one that was going to score. Um, that's obviously, as a British fan, not fun. But I, that's also some one of the things that I really enjoy about football. That you have those types of moments where it's it just feels like it's a scenario written for a movie sometimes. Um, but I think that's a player that we are all going to enjoy in the coming years. He's still very young. I believe he's 18 or 19 years old. He's been scoring uh, a lot of goals uh, for Kojili Sport for the last year or two. Um, of course, that's third division. But uh, it could be a player to watch and somebody exciting for the coming years um, for Turkish football for sure. Let's move on then uh, to some other moments of the week. Um, there's a couple really, especially tonight, we had European results, of course, two of the three Turkish clubs that were in action tonight were eliminated. Galatasaray did manage to ease past the Hajduk split with a 2-0 victory in the end, um, but it wasn't an easy night for Galatasaray either, I think. Uh, Hajduk definitely giving uh, them a little bit of a run for their money in the first half, Galatasaray didn't really impress. Lots of rotation going on as well, it seemed like. Um, I got to question that decision from the Turkish clubs in recent years where I think we're all kind of watching the coefficient list, especially the last year or two. We are losing that Champions League spot and it's just basically down to a horrendous performance from Turkish clubs across the across the board in Europe the last couple of years. Besiktas uh, now have gone out uh, against Malmö in the group stages, basically on the last match day, they have gone out last season against Slovan Bratislava in the group stages, and now they're going out in the qualifiers against Rio Ave from Portugal. Not a shame to go out against a Portuguese side, but Rio Ave is not Sporting Lisbon, it's not Porto, it's not Benfica, it's not even Braga. It's it's really it's a minnow even for Turkish fo- uh, for Portuguese football. Uh, and that's just from a business perspective. Obviously, Galatasaray have had their hiccups. Fenerbahce have had their hiccups. Başakşehir here, I don't really know what to expect from them in the Champions League. I, I, I honestly don't expect them to take many points. It's looking a little grim for your for the European coefficient future uh, of Turkish football. 
what do you guys think? Are we going to still have that uh, ticket straight to the group stages in the next couple of years? Because it seems like that's what the Turkish clubs are banking on all the time. Especially when it's Europa League, they're kind of like, no, we are going to prioritize the league because we want to go straight to the Champions League next season. But that, that ticket is, I think that's going away. We're not, in the next couple of years, the champion will have to play qualifiers. There's, it's inevitable at this point, I think. Burak, what do you think about the whole situation with the Turkish football in Europe and the coefficient standings? I think it's a it's a dead cert that the automatic qualification is going. I think it's going at the end of this season. So I believe Champions League 2021-2022, the Turkish champions of this season won't be qualifying directly. And I thought that was already a given and it had been worked out. But like you say, the last, I want to say, since really Besiktas had that amazing group stage run and then went out to Bayern Munich next, uh, next round. Again, which was unlucky because Vida got sent off right at the start of the game and without that it would have been totally different, uh, potentially. Um, but since then, um, Turkish teams have just failed to impress. Um, I saw a tweet earlier saying that like almost like the golden period for... Turkish teams in Europe, you could say, was from the Galatasaray UEFA Cup winning season up until about 2010-2011. And we all know what happened in 2011. Um, like I say, since then, you had that, you know, that one really good season for Besiktas mm. where they sh- they shone like a diamond. Yeah. And then since then, it's just been down. The two seasons ago, both Galatasaray and Fenerbahce got out of the group stages in the Europa League, but went out straight next round in the last um, the last 16. So I think it looks very grim for the state of Turkish football in the next couple of seasons. Um, mm. Automatic qualification is gone. Teams have very rarely have qualified for the Champions League in the past when going through qualifiers, but when it was just the one game. Yeah, I, I think that, it's only. It, I think Besiktas were the last in 2007, I think, to qualify from the from the qualifying round uh, as yeah. the, as a runner-up. Yeah, so I I can't remember like the last time a, a Turkish team had a really great performance in Europe. Um, like mm. a club team played really well against someone and were like, you know what, that was a good performance. So the future is very bleak and I think it's only going to get worse before it gets better. I'm not sure, what do you guys think about that remark of um, the t- since 2010? Because Galtzray had good runs in the Champions League in the early 2010s. Um, I think consistency in Turkish football has always kind of been an issue. Because Galatasaray had those good that good period in the beginning of the 2000s, of course, with that UEFA Cup win, um, and then also had a couple of good campaigns in the Champions League. With uh, back when there were still two group stages, um, going through in a group with uh, I remember Nantes and uh, PSV and um, what was the other team? Uh, Liverpool, maybe I don't know. But there's always been like these sporadic good performances, uh, half decent seasons. Then obviously there's been that really good, you know, the UEFA Cup win for Galatasaray, and I think then um, maybe Fenerbahce's really good run uh, in the Champions League, their 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 run to the semis in the in the UEFA Cup in the Europa League, obviously Besiktas's run in the Champions League, going unbeaten in the group stages and winning the group and stuff like that. But it's all, it's yeah, even then, like when Bishesh were doing well in Europe, like everyone else was just 
dropping off. It was like kind of an Shit. exception. Yeah. And there's the problem seems to be that there's there's never really like for example when you see Portuguese teams, they've generally dropped off a little bit in the last years as well, but there's always a couple of them doing well. You know, it's not just Benfica doing well. It's not just Porto doing well. Sporting tend to get to the next round in the Europa League. Uh, Benfica and Porto both go through, stuff like that. Like, you have Braga do well in the Europa League every season. Like, they don't win it or anything, but they're they're putting in shifts. They're getting those points. Whereas in Turkey, for the Turkish teams, it always seems to be like one team kind of doing okay. Sometimes you have a team doing really well, but that's really rare. And then just the other four teams... Yeah, sometimes you have a little bit of an average performance here and there, but most of the time you have at least two teams that completely wet the bed directly from the get-go, from the qualifiers. Things are looking a little grim right now. We have Besiktas in the Champions League. They're going to be in pot four. We have Sivaspor directly qualified for the group stages, and then we have Galatasaray that still have to get through one more qualifying round. Like, can, what can we really expect from Sivaspor who will start in pot four, and Besiktas who will start in pot four? It's 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 looking very grim. Uh, Umut, what's your view on the, this situation and the, the Turkish performance in general over the past de- de- decade or two? Well, uh, you know, Godzrai made a great effort during the uh, 2013 and 2014 seasons uh, with Fatih Terim and Roberto Mancini. They managed to get out of the group uh, being second uh, and... Uh, the first uh, journey was through the quarterfinals, but uh, then uh, we drew, Steve McManaman drew uh, Real Madrid, and uh, our run ended there. But uh, in the second time, uh, it was Chelsea, and it was again uh, Jose Mourinho uh, winning against us. And You're having some mic issues, by the way, Umut, I think, like sometimes it's crackles all right is it yeah you guys are hearing it too right or is it just me no uh, i heard it um it should be better now but go on. i'll continue okay uh so uh, uh two of our runs ended with Mourinho's uh uh you know wins against us uh then uh i think our management uh went a little bit down and we made some really bad transfers, really bad management mm. uh, yeah. in the overall of the club. And yeah, it's basically the same as what happened with Bishop. Bishop had two good seasons in Europe and then bam. And it's yeah, the same like, results, right? And yeah, they they don't uh, really plan on the future, but to save the day, uh, they make some big payments, they big purchases, and mm-hmm. in the long run, they don't pay off. Uh, yeah. Simple as that. So... Mm. Yeah, short, short-term vision of Turkish football. It's, it's uh... not the only football, but it's kind of a Turkish mentality, you know, because uh, it's you know it's the mentality of Turkish people. They mm. mostly often save the day, and don't forget about what will happen in the future. So, do you think it's something that's ingrained in Turkish society then? Because people are always saying Turkish football has so much potential, but. Yeah, there's there's so much things holding it back as well, and, and part of yeah, it is definitely cultural, I th- right? I think it's mainly the mentality issue. You know, uh, it came with the you know uh, Unalaysal's uh, management, and 
his board made a great success, but even though, uh, you know, he tried to deliver, uh, he failed in the long run because, you know, he d- didn't know about football department. He mm-hmm. he He's there to manage the whole system, but, you know, it's like a domino effect. The smallest uh, piece, I don't know, I, it's not the smallest piece, but factory went and the whole system got broken down because of it, because he had his hands all over uh, the system uh, as a manager. You cannot claim him as a manager uh, only because he's a you know big piece on that puzzle. So I think it, it was due to yeah. the you know yeah too much uh, too much control by one person, not enough yeah, not enough that. structure in the clubs maybe yeah yeah um, yeah. Uh, Jakub, what do, you, what do you think? Do you think it is a, a cultural issue to an extent that Turkish clubs are unable to be, um, yeah, if successful uh, consistently? Um, yeah, the, just too much short-term vision, perhaps. Uh, yeah, just relying on, on building on the idea of one person rather than putting in a proper structure, stuff like that. I mean, I think I think there are multiple reasons why um, Turkey uh, has fallen behind in, in in sport of success over the last couple of years. Um, you can you can claim that one of the reasons is just the growing amount of uh, you know the growing amount of uh, transfers that are going on all over the world. You know the, the amount that the, that certain players are going for is uh, kind of inflating prices. So. You know, as as one of the big four teams, you can't get a relatively good player for a decent amount. You really need to, you know, pull up with the Brinks truck and just unload all the money in the in the truck. You know, um, I think that's one of, one of the reasons. And uh, Turkish teams have been um, kind of towing the line over the last couple of years. You know, they they have been spending money, uh, hoping that it will turn out well. And yeah, we have seen how it how it went with Galatasaray. Galatasaray did did really well, but they spent a lot of money. And if you don't become champions for one year, or if you don't uh, progress in Europe, the the financial hit is just so ma- so much worse. And that that the same thing happened with Besiktas. And um, I think that one of one of the one of the other reasons is, as you said, that uh, a lot of a lot of teams are just thinking in the short term. Um, presidents are just dime a dozen you know a president can be can be horrible he can be great but uh, there's a big chance that like in in, in four or five years that everyone will start to hate him mm-hmm. um you don't have like those eternal presidents anymore like how Suleiman seba was at uh, Bishtash for 20, yeah, and 20 years or something 25 six, 16 years, years and even he was getting i mean at the end like people gloss over that part of history but like people wanted him gone because he didn't spend money, and that's just one of the downfalls. You know, you can you can be a Suleiman Seba, you can uh, start looking at the team and, and acknowledging that okay, maybe um, we can't get the best players, but what we can do is we can start um, improving the training pitch, improving the the, the fa- faculties, and this and that, and those are the things that will help you in the long term. But if uh, if I'm talking about all, for example, if I take all and if I say uh, if, if I was in Aula's uh, in 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 seat and I was I was thinking about okay the the pitch looks horrible the the training grounds look horrible I'm going to improve that it doesn't correlate to direct success you mm-hmm. know so that's why a lot of a lot of presidents just uh, come in 
um, get a pres uh, get a manager that is uh, known to be uh, known to be a good pre uh, manager. Um, give him a way too high salary. Get uh, probably aging players and give them way too much money, and bank on that short term success. So if they yeah. if they spend like 20 million euros, they hope that if we, if they become champion and if they uh, progress through the group stages in the Champions League, they can recoup that. You know, mm -hmm. but that's just not sustainable. That's just not yeah. sustainable. And I think that. Um, you know, you know Belgian football. I know Dutch football. Um, Dutch football has kind of a soft limit, and we, we, I can I can honestly say that Dutch football creates much better players with a way lower budget, mm -hmm. just because they uh, you know they concentrate on those developments. They don't think about buying aging players and giving way too high salaries just to you know become champions for a year. They think about the future, and I think that. You know, I hope that one one day that will start to happen in Turkey. We have seen uh, a lot of a lot of uh, promising players turn up. Um, a lot of the, a lot of them are from uh, you know teams like Bursaspor over the last decade and uh, Altınordu. Mm -hmm. But you know, I it, there has to be a fundamental change. Maybe maybe through the uh, through the TFF, maybe through the government that say that that you know incentivizes uh, young players to play. Uh, but I don't know if, if if I'm the person that knows like okay this is what they should have that this is what they should do you know it's it's, it's kind of it's it's kind of a shit show at the moment you can only hope that it turns out better in the in the future. And another thing I want to throw out there is you have this phenomenon in different countries where when a team becomes champion for the first time and it like kind of upsets the status quo they tend to have. Um, a rebound season that doesn't go as well. Uh, it's very early days, obviously, but reigning champions by Shakhtar getting off to a, a very poor start with two defeats. Obviously, they played Galatasaray this ma on match day two. Uh, that's not that's not an easy game to play. But they didn't start well last uh, last week on match day one against Hatay Spor. Uh, now they lose against Galatasaray. They start with zero out of six. Obviously, um, they haven't looked great. Uh, in an either fixture, they also focus quite a bit on aging players as well in the transfer market. Um, what do you guys see when you watch Bishakshi here? Do you think they're gonna build on their success from last season, uh, or they? Obviously, it's very early. Like we said, like I said, uh, there's still 38 matches to go. Nothing has happened yet. No, you know, no man overboard. Do you see? that there's something there for them to continue building on their success or do you think that um, maybe it's going to be a classical rebound season in the sense of this is a, a team that normally doesn't win the league they won their league and now those players have been working towards that maybe it's kind of like the I'm not sure how to put it in English in, in Dutch we would say the rekke seraf like the, the stretch on the team so to speak Burak what do you think of uh, Basakshi here and uh, how are they are going to continue to evolve as a club? I think we're looking at uh, a one and done, like a, a one-hit wonder. Um, wouldn't surprise me to see them get relegated within the next four to five years when the money stops, the support stops, when there's potentially a political shift in Turkey in the next three, four years. Um, I think the funding's going to go and they will be, you know, we wouldn't surprise you to see them completely fold as a football club because this is Turkey and anything can happen. I think they're going to struggle this season. 
I think the a lot of the squads that won last year are now aging a little bit more. So your your Denver bars, your Tech Demus, your Skirtles, your Topols, yeah, they have bought in cover. So they have bought in uh, Raphael, you know, cover for right back. They bought in the Belgian guy whose name I've forgotten that used to play at Spurs, the winger. Chudley. Nasser Chudley's come in. I think they're good purchases for the Champions League. I fully expect them to finish bottom of their group in the Champions League. And I think they won't be in contention for the league this year at all. I think the I think we're going back to the big three stumble teams gonna be fighting out for the championship this season. I think Bashak Shahid are not gonna give anyone too much trouble. Okay. Jakob, what do you think about uh, the, yeah, what what's your opinion on this? Um, you know, I, 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 I think it's way too early to, you know, count them out, but it doesn't really look promising. Um, and I think one of the reason, reasons it doesn't look promising is I can see Okamburuk taking over from, uh, from Fatih Term in the, in, in, in the next year or so. Um, because I, I honestly don't think that they are that much worse than last year. But um, as Burak said, the aging players have... Uh, have had a lot of, uh, you know, impact on how the team will perform this year. And um, I don't see them, you know, I, I, I cross my fingers, even though I hate Bashak Shair from the bottom of my heart, uh, I cross my fingers and I hope that they do get a, a, a reasonable group in the in the Champions League. But, you know, knowing Turkish, Turkish teams is luck. I don't think that's going to happen. And... Um, you know, one, one of, if not the best player, in my opinion, in the team is Irfan Can. Uh, and there was a lot of talk of him going away to Sevilla. And if that happens, I think that there is going to be a really big, um, you know, emptiness in the in, in the midfield because his, uh, his his performances are one of the, the reasons why Başak did so well uh, last year. But yeah. but um, even last season, if you they have been knocking on the door and and basically chasing that title for um, basically since Besiktas's second title win. Uh, so that was back 2016-17. Um, so basically for the last four years or so, they have been knocking on that door. And I really felt like last season was one of their more lackluster performances from those four seasons. Like, they weren't as good, I felt, like the previous seasons. But the previous seasons, I think they just had a lot more formidable opponents and they didn't have Corona to, well, essentially give them a, a hand, I think, because... Uh, both Galatasaray and Trabzonspor were were doing well before the Corona break, quote unquote, um, and uh, that definitely caused those two to falter. And I think it just helped them along a little bit. Uh, so yeah, their their title even this 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 season or this past season for me it's kind of it goes a little bit with an asterisk. Um, Umut, what do you think of of their situation? Do you think that we are going to get more titles for Bishakshir or are they? Is this a one-and-done, like Burak said? Well, uh, I don't think it's like one-and-done, but, you know, they you know, fought too ha- hard uh, to get in that position. Like, you know, it's not a one-season wonder, because, like, in the previous two or three seasons, they were already battling for the championship title, and they were really nearly the edge uh, of getting it, but... They failed to do so, but when Okamburg came and the circumstances 
you know, uh, beneficial, uh, benefited their way, you know, so they got it. But uh, as Brock said, this season they don't uh, look really good because, uh, you know, they have to get in a shape, but they are a little bit too late uh, to get it because they will have the their Champions League games soon enough, but and they are not even ready. Uh, they have to win in the Turkish league and they have to, you know, uh, build up a system and, you know, use it to uh, win against the big teams in the Champions League. And mm-hmm. I don't see that happening, you know. Uh, so, I know Okanburg is much more interested in those Champions League games uh, compared to Abdullah Havji because we all know that Abdullah Havji... Uh, got out with the reserve team in those games. Uh, Not in the Champions League. I think that uh, that that's a typical Europa League doesn't count for us mentality that we... Not just Ulavcia showcase. I think a lot of the Turkish clubs in the last couple of years unfortunately have shown that the Europa League is less, imp- less of a priority. Yeah, but, you know, I kind of see a distinctive uh, vision between... Uh, Abdullah and Okanburg in that way because he puts it uh, ahead uh, of the Super League sometimes because I I feel like as he experienced European football uh, from the first hand he played there and he uh, played for Galatasaray uh, mainly in the early stages of career and he had too many appearances in the uh, European games so. I think it's getting the vision uh, of the situation uh, from the earlier years of his career. So I think he's more interested in those games rather than the uh, Super League games. And but you know it's not enough uh, today. They are really uh, out of shape, and I don't expect the uh, you know uh, early stage of uh, success. Uh, in these days mm-hmm. the league is of course a marathon um, not a sprint we all know that we've seen that um, but yeah for for Bershakshir they've been kind of on a quest to conquer some fans to get some fans uh, that's that's kind of been their goal I don't really think that their title victory this past season got them a lot of uh, new supporters I don't know I might be mistaken the fact that we don't have fans in the stadium obviously doesn't allow us to gauge that properly but, uh, yeah, I definitely think if they want to conquer some hearts, they're going to have to perform well in the Champions League. And they all it's possible. I think Galtzrai in recent years were in top four and still got a very decent group. Um, it can happen, but it's unlikely. But it's unlikely. Anyway, uh, let's move on a little bit. Let's uh, focus a bit more on the transfer market and what happened this week. Some exciting moves are about to happen or did happen already. Uh, First and foremost, the biggest news, I think, is um, that the King of the North has left Trabzon officially, Jakub. He has gone to Rasenball Club Leipzig. What's it called? (laughs) Rasenball. Red Bull Leipzig, basically. Yeah, for uh, 20 million euros plus an additional 2 million in add-ons, if I'm not mistaken. And Trabzonspor will receive 50% of that. So 10 millions now plus a potential one more million um, in, uh, in, in add-ons. And I, do they also get a, a sell-on percentage? 
yeah, um, like like ten percent, I think. But that's also uh, that will also be uh, equally divided between Trabzonspor and Crystal Palace. Mm -hmm. Well, hats off to Crystal Palace, I think we have to say here because in past years we've seen uh, similar deals go a lot different. Uh, Anderson Talishka jumps to mind, where part of the deal was if. He, if Bishtesh don't buy him, but he gets sold straight away, Bishtesh get their loan fee back, which was two and a half million for both years, so five million total. And what did Benfica do? They loaned the guy out to China with an option to buy to fuck Bishtesh out of their five million. So um, hats off to Crystal Palace for doing the honorable thing. Um, same thing can be said for Fiorentina with uh, Mario Gomez, by the way, because uh, Bishtesh were supposed to get 50% of that as well. Uh, and then on the on the books, the fee was like one two million or something. Whereas in reality, I think it was a lot higher. So yeah, kudos to Crystal Palace. But of course, it leaves Trabzonspor uh, with a nice amount of money, but without a key player, a key striker. They did replace not necessarily him, but they did get a new uh, a forward, somebody from Chelsea. Tell us a little bit more about him, Jakub. Uh, well, we got Fobe from, uh, uh, not from Chelsea, I don't even remember, from Bournemouth, I think. <laughs> uh, he's the striker, and uh, we got Lewis Baker, but Lewis Baker is more of a midfielder. Um, Fobe Im immediately started, uh, both him, uh, no, we got Fobe from Stoke City, by the way. Uh, both Fobe and, uh, and, and Lewis Baker started the game against Denizle. Um, I thought that, uh, I thought that, Fobe would have been like a a a, uh, a slower player, you know, on the ball and everything. But he's pretty fast for for his size. Um, he's not as tall and not as fast as uh, as Serlot, but uh, you know, you can't have everything. And Lewis Baker has been one of those um, players that he grew up. Uh, he, he came through the the Chelsea uh, youth, but uh, after we after we uh, uh, panned a professional contract with uh, Chelsea. He pretty he pretty much got loaned out every year. He even played at Vitesse one year, and um, I just hope that he isn't like a second Marco Marin, where we have way too high of expectations from him. But um, I don't know. His his first game seemed okay. He didn't really, um, you know, try to command the ball a lot. But he was uh, he was dangerous. He is, his free kicks are pretty good, and um, he is he can use his left foot and his right foot uh, equally good. So that's you know that's good. But uh, Trabzonspor are still trying to get players there today. Um, they got a player uh, in, uh, in 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 Trabzon. I just forgot about his name. It's a player from uh, from Leicester City. He's a right winger. He he played in Turkey a couple of years ago. Um, let me let me let me let me check it. I just wrote it down. Um, Diabate, Fuseni Diabate. Oh, he, yeah, they he got played for Sivas, right? Yeah, he played for Sivas, and they they apparently signed him. On a, on a three-year deal, so I hope it's not way too much money because we are still trying to get some defenders. The 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 players that are you know talked about at the moment are Sviatchenko, um, Hugo from I think uh, I think from Brazil. He's a defender. He's a really good defender. Hugo, Alba. Hugo, yeah, Hugo, yeah. It's it's, it's yeah. about Dutch pronunciation. I'm yeah, sorry yeah, yeah. for that. That's sorry. Um, being an asshole. They are they are talking about getting Alpaslan from uh, Gustave. Alpaslan Yeah, uh, they are talking about Guillermo going there and Alpaslan coming the other way with hmm. uh, Gustav being a little bit. 
and Ivan Marcone from uh, from Boca Juniors, who they have been going after for like a month. So okay, uh, there are a lot of players, you know, that have been talked about. Uh, I just hope that uh, you know that the president said last week after uh, you know the day before the solo transfer went uh, public that uh, we will have two players before the next game. Well, uh, we got the Abate already. Uh, and everybody is kind of wondering who the second player will be because our defense is just looking way, way, way bad. And, um, you know, we have to start looking at other defenders because this this is going to be really bad. Well, but, we just have uh, a couple of defenders uh, that are available still. I think uh, Isimat Mirin. Isimat Mirin. Yes, he's already available as well. Um Especially maybe after his penalty miss tonight, I, I don't think. I, even though I think he played an okay game, uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, this, it, it reminded me a little bit of uh, Matej Mitrovic, who I thought was okay, uh, but then he missed that penalty against Lyon, and you just knew, okay, that's the end for him, for for our fans, basically. Maybe it's good for Wellington that there's no fans in the stadium right now, because I wouldn't be surprised if he got booed otherwise. Um, but yeah, is that is that all the news for Traps and Sport right now? Um, yeah, the player, by the way, is Vitor Hugo from uh, from Palmeiras, and supposedly, I don't think this is going to happen, but supposedly we are paying 4 million euros for him, Ooh, and that will be the most money that all the board has spent. Um, until now, the most money that they spent was like 1.5 million on a player, and it was on Tronson, I think. Hmm. So, um, I don't know, you know... I, I don't see Tottenham doing that that good this year. I just hope that at least in the Turkish Cup or something that we that we start to perform when it starts. Yeah. But uh, you Tra- know, kind of look like a puzzle that isn't complete yet, and they the season like kind of similar to Bistaj, I feel where they are both shaping up a team, but like this, it's like they're stuck in like August or something. Like they're behind a month or more on schedule with their transfers. And all that stuff. Um, but yeah, financial limitations, I guess. Uh, the yeah. other big news coming from Turkish football, well, you know, Alexander Surlot was number one and a very close number two is Vedat Muric because he's finally tied to not, so to speak, <laughs> uh, with his new marriage. He's off to uh, Lazio Roma, if I'm not mistaken, Burak, for how much was it? 17.5 million? You know what? I still don't know what the official fee is with add-ons and a bonus, depending on how successful the Lazio are. I think it's in the region of 18 to 20 million euros, um, which is great bit of business for us. Um, Rizet are happy, of course, because they get a nice little percentage of that the, the profit of the sell-on that we've we've made on the sale. And unfortunately, uh, Veda has contracted coronavirus while he was at his sister's wedding in Kosovo. So we oh. wish him well. Um, so hopefully he gets well soon. He can get to playing in a Lazio shirt wearing number 94, I believe. Um, I did look into how much a Lazio shirt would cost on the official store. And I think if you actually want to get a Lazio shirt with Moritz and 94 on the back, you're looking at about 100 euros. Poof. And I'm like, what the hell? I've, I've, for that man money, I, I bought two Fenerbahce. Well, shirts. we've been spoiled because of the Turkish lira yeah. being. Uh, of, of course, but we can know. buy it. We can buy a shirt now for twenty euros or something yeah. <laughs> stupid like that. That's yeah. a slight exaggeration, uh, but yeah. yeah. But I think the crazy thing is, even though you know we Veda has sold, he's still not 
the most money we've ever made on a player, and that's still Bullich. And I mm. still really do not like John Toshak for it because <laughs> he he saw him playing whilst he was coaching at Besiktas, um, went to Madrid, signed Bullich because he'd seen him light up the Turkish league in that one season for us, mm-hmm. and then. Toshak swiftly gets sacked from Madrid and Balic gets injured, so um, comes back to us on loan. Not the same player, but but yes, spend some time with Galatasaray as well. In, in, indeed, and releases an album. Um, so he released well, an album. Yeah, he's released a music album. He, oh really? He plays like the the Bosnian equivalent of like the Saz or the Balama or something like that. You'll have to send me that in a second, and I'll I'll attach one of the songs at the end of the episode. <laughs> I don't think we should, but it could be funny. So, yeah, um, a good bit of business at Fenerbahce. Um, sad to see him go after just a season, but um, such is life. We have, yeah. have to move on and, and try and sign a striker, which is what do, we're trying to do Do you feel now. he was an exceptional player, or do you think he maybe came up a little short? Or do you, was that more the limitation of the team last season? I think the limitation of the team, if you look at the first half of the season, you look at the goal he scored on the opening day of the season against Gaziantep when he Mm -hmm. chested it, moved inside and smashed it with the volley on his left foot. And then we lost our wingers. Mm -hmm. We couldn't get him the ball. He kept on coming deep. I think he's uh, a good target man. He can play with the ball at his feet. um, Very hard worker. Yeah, and he's got that. He's battle worn, so he you know yeah. grew up in the. When yeah, you grow yeah. up in a place like you know Kosovo, Eastern Europe, that that battling nature comes out. Onto yeah, the he's pitch, got hurts, so, right? Yeah, so I think um, once he gets fit, and hopefully he strikes up a good partnership, he'll start to play well, and the Lazio fans will like him. But yeah, um, transfer saga dragged on. I'm glad it's finally put to bed, and we can like, move on with the next chapter of our strikers. And it's freed up a lot of money now for Fenerbahce, uh, probably to finance a bunch of the moves they already made, but also to sign a new striker. Uh, it's not yet official, I think, but Fenerbahce did send out a tweet yesterday with a little airplane emoji, and a certain player also sent out a little uh, airplane emoji. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that uh, unnamed player. Well, uh, unnamed player, we should refer to them as Player X, because we don't want to be making any um, alleged you know, um, for exations or, or fake news. But yeah, Player X that, you know, signed for Aston Villa in, in January is apparently in Istanbul and Konaklior at a nice hotel. Um, I think we may have released news today, but we had that earthquake in Istanbul today. So Geçbüşolsun to all our friends in Istanbul and the area. Uh, I think that's why Fenerbahce have delayed the announcement because of um, what happened today um, with with that um, earthquake. But it's said that uh, terms have been agreed with the player. Um, the player is just waiting to take his photos and make it official. Um, what do I know uh, about Mwame um, Samata? Um, not a whole deal. He wasn't a great hit at Aston Villa, but you look at him coming in in January to an Aston Villa side who are fighting relegation and you telling us that uh, Samata is a type of player that thrives on being given emotional support and confidence by the coaching staff and being shown that he's yeah. believed in. Well, and that's something that his former coach at Gang, Philippe Clement, really said that it was really important to work with him very closely. Um, because before Clement came to, to Gang, uh, Samata was kind of... Um, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me a little bit of how Abubakar was before he came to Besiktas, where they really had written him off at Porto, 
And then he went to Besiktas and he found himself, like, of course, you know, winning the African Cup of Nations and stuff like that. It boosted him tremendously. Because at the beginning, he wasn't too too successful at Besiktas either. I remember his debut against Rizespor. He missed a bunch of chances. He got criticized a lot by the fans and stuff like that. But he kind of slowly started picking up himself a little bit. And then the AFCON really boosted his morale. And then in the second half of the season, he exploded. Then he went back to Porto, exploded there as well until his knee exploded. Um, lots of explosions. And it's kind of what happened with Samata at Genk as well. Like the first, I want to say, year or, or, or two seasons or something like that. I don't remember exactly how long he was there. But he was he was not scoring a lot of goals. And he was kind of that striker that wasn't scoring a lot of goals in the sense of like Kode uh, Koita at Katsimpasha, like the first season and a half or something. He didn't score a single goal or something like that. And then suddenly last season, I think he scored like 13+. plus. And Samata really, when Genk won the title... Uh, I guess it's now two years ago. He was instrumental in that team. Uh, he was s- such an important player for them. They played some fantastic uh, football, uh, both uh, in possession as well as reactionary football. I, like if you remember when Bishtesh played them, uh, was that last season or the season before in in in, um, in, in the Europa League? Uh, I think Samata scored one or two goals in a one-four or two-four win in Vodafone Park and those goals were so amazing such great counters completely stretching the defense him running to the second post it's fantastic uh, and Samata is he definitely has the potential of being a good player but like I said like Philippe Clement really made that clear that it, it was very important to get in his head as a coach to support him and to nurture him uh, and I think, you know, coming in in January, like you said, for a club like Aston Villa who are struggling, you're expected to hit the ground running, start scoring goals. And yeah, that's, I think that's too much to ask from a player like that who needs time to settle. And yeah, you mentioned the Genk's title winning season. He scored 20 league goals. Um, so, I mean, hopefully that's the type of form that we can get out of him. There will you know, if he signs and becomes official. Um, personality and work weight rise seems like he's going to fit in. Uh, hopefully he bonds with some of his teammates um, as well. And we know that um, he is uh, Muslim by faith and he's been on the Umrah to Mecca in 2018. So maybe that had a slight pull bringing him to Istanbul as well um, with, with the culture um, and uh, the ability to, to practice Islam um, may have swayed him over maybe staying in England or going to other countries, but he looks like a, a good good guy, um, but hopefully he turns out to be a good guy that and turns into a great player. Uh, 27, he's going to be 28 in December, so this is probably his last, I want to say, big contract if it's something like a two plus one three plus one etc um so i don't know what the exact deal is probably loan with an option to buy um and the option to buy will be based on how he performs this season but it's good to be in the market for a striker i mentioned last week that Frey admire his work rate but he, he's not the guy that he's going to score us goals, even as a backup striker. Um, mm-hmm. may, maybe third choice, potentially. There is talk of Zilouis from Porto and 
lots of other names that have been mentioned. I'm surprised no one's mentioned Ben Arthur yet because he always comes <laughs> up. Uh, he's always mentioned. I'm sure he'll come up in a few days or so. But yeah, yeah. apparently yeah, in, still in look- Portugal, they're, they're they're still assisting that Fenerbahce are going for Zé Luis with a with a loan with a six million obligation to buy. But I don't know. I think if Samata is signed, that would seem odd. By the way, is Samata rumored to be a permanent transfer or a loan? Loan with a loan, and I think Aston Villa are trying to put in an obligation to buy rather than an option to buy, because I think they want to get shot of their their eight point five million pound investment, yeah. and well, that's not something we that we can pay. So I, no, obviously it's way too much as well. I mean, the guy did, I mean, he he didn't succeed at, at Villa, so you can't expect them. They can't expect realistically to recuperate the majority of that. Like I think realistically for him right now. Four or five million euros, maybe. Yep, so the transfer saga goes on and on, and it just worries mm. me because we have to get these players and, and settle them into uh, a, a brand new team again, a brand new coach, brand new um, coaching staff. Um, so some teams in the Super League are a little bit more settled. Look at Galatasaray, for example. Um, the Fatih Tidham's been there now in his like, third, third season, I think, that think with a settled team bringing in some players. Um, and I think Besiktas and Trabzon maybe are also suffering. You know, they've got relatively new coach, relatively new coaching staff. Um, maybe Besiktas are a bit more settled because Sagan's been there a little bit longer than, say, in, in Eddie Newton um, and an Errol Bullard. But I think out of all the those big four teams, you know, Galatasaray are looking the, the, the most settled with the core of a team. Um, yeah, definitely. So, so I'm hoping that our transfers can settle in quickly and that's going to be a big ask from the coaching team because we were awful against Hatay Sport and um, yeah, so transfer sagas never end with Fenerbahce hopefully they will be done and dusted um, soon Yeah, and, and just your quick impressions from the team's performance this week then against Hatay Sport because I think Hatay got two red cards, right? And it did end uh, all square nil nil. Uh, what were you, what, what do you think the team lacked mainly in that in that uh, display? Um, creativity in midfield. So last season we had Max Cruiser in that position, putting the players through with the creativity. Then he left, um, and we we lacked the second half of last season. I think that's what we lacked in the first game uh, against Riza and the second game against Hatay. I, didn't see any creativity from that midfield. Um, personally, I'm a fan of Togo Djerji. He does a, uh, a job, but you know he's not the, the you know that's not his position. Things got a little bit better when Sosa and Matt Hakan Yandash came on. My ideal midfield three would be Sosa, Gustavo, and Matt Hakan, with maybe Matt Hakan playing a little bit more advanced than than Sosa, and them two really opening that creativity. The t- team looked to start playing a little bit better when those two came on. I still think Valencia and Tiam are not out-and-out wingers, but they are forward-type pl- players like mm-hmm. a so or a Kaut. But the team, it just looked like they lacked cohesion. They're still learning each other, learning the system. And again, that's going to take time. It's the third you met. It's the, the second game. The f- second game, and... The, the team isn't settled. It hasn't been settled for a long time, so I think that's why we, we're seeing these issues. Um, I'm happy to be patient. I know we've been starved of success, 
for a long time, but a lot of fans are calling for players' heads already. Um, <laughs> like as, always. <laughs> as, as, as they do. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just, you know, four points out of two games isn't the worst start to the season. Yeah. But when you no, think, definitely. yeah, but when you see that Hatai were nine men, you have to think, well, I know they worked really hard and they probably deserved their point. Um, but, you know, you're Farabashi, you should be winning those games, especially at home. Mm-hmm. So, and we go into a derby um, at the weekend against Galatasaray, and I think Galatasaray are definitely the favourites at this point for that. Yeah. But also, Hatay, not should, they shouldn't be so, so short, of course. Last week um, on match day one, they beat Bishakshi here, the reigning champions. And they did keep quite a bit of their team together from uh, the, the team that won the league last season in the second division. Um, unlike most teams, they didn't completely overhaul their squad, so... Uh, definitely uh, a tight knit group, I think. Uh, that that yeah, uh, even with nine people, it's not always a favor to get a, a position player sent off. Sometimes it just makes the opposition uh, be- defend even more cohesive and uh, put in a better collective performance than with eleven players. So sometimes it just has that effect. Um, yeah, they, they, yeah, they worked really hard for that point they were, they were very well organized very compact and Omar Ardoin did a, a good job of coaching them so yeah. so no so no hate like on Kaiseri last season for playing good against you guys well no Kaiseri have a special place in my heart for hatred let's say Hatai Hatai are the new boys and you know they, they actually got their red cards so they were served to justice yeah, and they did, like I said, you know, last week they did beat Bashakshir, so I think they they are making a, an early statement that they're not gonna be pushovers. Yes. Um, yeah. So exciting things to happen for for Fenerbahce in the sense that they are probably going to sign a striker. Another team that is probably bringing in a striker who is already in Istanbul. We already know this. Vincent Abubakar has come back to Turkey. Um, it's not The Rock coming back to uh, SmackDown, but it's uh, the Abu coming back to Besiktas. Probably, uh, if he uh, manages to pass all of the medicals, because of course he, hit, like I said before, his knee exploded two years ago. It's a slight exaggeration, but he did have a severe knee injury two years ago at Porto, uh, right up in a moment where he was uh, performing at an exceptional level and where uh, big numbers were being thrown out and uh, the Premier League was looming for Vincent Abubakar. Um, unfortunately for him, a uh, severe knee injury cut that short, and he really hasn't been able to play that much in the last two seasons. And uh, he was one of the highest paying paid players in Porto. Uh, so Porto, knowing that they weren't going to be able to get a, a decent fee probably for him because no team really wanted to take the risk at this time because obviously he hasn't been playing a lot at Porto. Uh, they now have Musa Marega, who has uh, since then stood up and, and d- did a good job. And they they clearly did not feel confident in, uh, in, in Abu's ability to get back to his former uh, level. Um, so they agreed to release him a couple of days ago, two days ago. Um, and uh, Abu Bakar has since traveled to Istanbul. Pictures have already been taken at the airport with him wearing uh, in full, full Besiktas regalia. 
So the question now is, can he pass uh, the medical checkups uh, that Bishtesh have in place for him for his knee? And if he does, then he will uh, is rumored to be signing a three-year contract, but a very special deal in the sense that it will be uh, one year plus one year plus one year. All three years will be optional, and Abu Bakr will be earning uh, 1.5 million guaranteed, and then he will get some bonuses and stuff like that. Um, but he will uh, need to play at least 30 games for his uh, contract to automatically automatically extend and uh, on top of that Bestesh would be including um, an opt-out clause so to speak where if he re-injures his knee if he tears another ACL or something they have the option to unilaterally um, yeah, uh, disband uh, his contract so uh, Bestesh possibly bringing back Abu Bakr it's not certain yet at this point but it's looking likely um, of course a player that did really well for Bishtesh for that one season uh, very highly thought of by the fans still but will the fans be seeing the same player they remember that's the big question it's a risk but a, a risk worth taking in my opinion uh, I don't know what you guys think about it Jakub you had an opinion about bringing back players um, what do you feel when you see these these numbers do you think it is a risk that Bishtesh should take because it's a or do you think it's too big of a risk with the, the money involved? Well, I mean, uh, if you remember correctly, I I think I was the one who picked Abu Bakar when everybody else picked Mario Gomez as the striker. Um, and I, I, I like him. You know, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> um, I believe, uh, you know, I like him. I, I think it's unbelievable how big of a guy he is and how, how nimble he was on his feet the first time he was at Besiktas. But as you said, the, the the knee injury, I have seen photos of his knee and it looks like the injury that Ronaldo got back in the day and it says it's a massive scar. So, you know, for Besiktas' sake, um, I just hope that he does perform well because I don't really, uh, you know, I don't want to see anybody injured. And um, if there really is like a clause in his contract that states that if he does get the same injury once again, that Besiktas can, uh, you know... Uh, terminate his contract uh, because of it I think it's you know it's a risk that should be taken but I also think that um, you know I, I, I know that a lot of people like Umut Nair but I don't think that he is a guy that is already uh, you know fit to be a striker for Besiktas I think he has a year or so in him that uh, you know to mature a bit so I don't know if you guys are thinking about getting another striker but you know getting getting Abu Bakr and getting another striker would be good for you guys um and what I said about you know I, I I think it's I think it's weird choices by by Turkish teams in general to go for uh, the, the 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 old the old players so to say you know Besiktas have uh, gotten uh, Gökhan Töre who I think was really bad at Malatya Sport so I don't really get why they got him uh, Abu Bakar who they know uh, you got um, you got you got Yosef from uh, you know the, the old Fenerbahce player mm. and you know I I don't quite like those kind of transfers you know taking uh, taking players you know and I think that uh, I think the scouting department is you know choosing the easy way out so to say because they they don't really go for players that could that could turn out really well they just go well, they for they did go for Montero Mensa uh, Atakan Uner. so there are those types of players as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that Bishtash is only, you know, buying old players. I just, I don't like it. To, I don't quite like to see, you know, old mm -hmm. players that, that, that played at a different team or played at your yeah, team a couple of years back that, coming back. 
it does show like uh, well i think it's a little bit of a complacency and also like a little bit of um we know this guy can ha- knows the league can perform here and it's an easy it's easier than finding somebody new and taking the risk on somebody new it's it's it's, it's definitely uh yeah uh, i get where, you, where you're coming from for sure with, with Gokantore, I think um, I, I personally did think he had definitely had good performances at Malatya Sport, but they were too sporadic. Uh, and yeah, just like coming off the Europa League match today, uh, he came in as a sub. Him and Mensa both came off the bench, and like for me, throughout the like they were the only two players that really gave me the impression of these two guys can do something. Like Tura looked good today, I have to say, and I'm I'm. I'm a very skeptical person when it comes to Gokhan because he has had some massive knee injury, um, knee issues as well. He's not really been the same player he was before he left Bishtesh to West Ham. Um, and I, I don't expect him to ever really grow back to the level he had before consistently. But he's still definitely a player that can provide a little bit of flashes here and there. And the financial uh, package there as well made sense. Like... I think it's, you'll be hard-pressed to find a, a winger of, of, of a semi-decent level like a Gokantura for, for less than six 700,000 euros, and I believe it's roughly what, he's be, what he'll be making. So it's a, for me, it's a, also another risk worth taking, and I kind of feel the same way about Abu, but uh, with Abu Bakar, I'm, I'm even more skeptical because I'm really afraid because I been talking to fr- friends and colleagues uh, and uh, people in... in uh, Portuguese uh, media who are very close to people within Porto and stuff like that, and they've been telling me for more than a year he's done. He's not the same player you used to know. Like, because this is not the first time Bishesh have been linked to Abu Bakar, so I've been talking about it with some people for a long time now, and um, yeah, they've told me, look, his knee is is so fucked. There's a re- you know, Porto are a team, they're not going to throw a player away that they think they can still get money for. Like, that should say something. On the other hand, Abubakar is willing to take a very particular uh, contract. Um, so he clearly still thinks he can do something. So that's positive, but... Porto kind of throwing in the towel on him. I do get it because Porto are in a financial difficult position, and he is one of the top earners. So maybe that also plays a f- that definitely plays a factor. But still, like Porto letting a player like that go on a free is is, is a little bit worrying. I feel. Please continue. I did cut you off. <laughs> no, I think I think you made some great points, and um, you know when you're looking when you're looking at it from like at it from a footballing standpoint, I think that you know. Getting players that are tried and tested is, is you know, a, a good decision. Um, but you know, it might be the the, the weirdo in me that just thinks that it's uh, that's that's that it is an easy way out. But um, you know, uh, I, I quite like Mensa. Uh, I really like him. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. Bishtas has some uh, difficult games ahead. So uh, yeah, I really, really like Mensa as well. Like tonight, you can see he. You know, when you're watching a team and it's like, oh my god, this is. It's so boring to watch. And then there's that one player, when he gets the ball, every time he gets the ball, you get the feeling of, okay, suddenly, you know, pace picks up. This guy can do something. And I, you, every time Mensa gets the ball, you have that feeling. But then, like, tonight, you see he does really well, and then he gets in the scoring position. And, then he, and he, I think he missed, like, two sitters in, in, like, a span of 60 seconds or something in, in the dying minutes of the match. Basically, should have always gone through tonight. 
really. But it's kind of like their match against the Antalya Sport where they control the game, they go up 1-0, and then they don't kill off the match because they lack quality up front. Um, guys like Cal Laren, you know, I've been saying it for a long time, like... I think Laren, you know, as a second striker, that's one thing. But he can be your number one. He's just not a killer. He's not gonna give get you those those that that extra goal, that padding you need to drag uh, those three points across the finish line. We saw it against Antalya in the weekend. We saw it against today uh, in against Rio Ave, where Bistis really played a good first half, really good first half, I felt. And then the second half, they kind of invited the pressure a little bit, but Rio Ave didn't really create much. And then suddenly in minute 85 or 86, they concede a stupid goal. Um, and and you, you don't just, they simply don't have the quality up top. Uh, so hopefully Abubakar can make a change there for Besiktas. And, and there's still talk of Nikola Kalinic as well. I don't know really if that's the most prudent thing to do. I think Besiktas desperately need a right back. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how that team shapes up. Trabzonspor, Besiktas, Fenerbahce, definitely teams that have lots of work cut out for them. Galatasaray, like we talked about earlier already, they are more shaped. They are building on what they've been building on the last couple of seasons, really. Like, they're still very much the same core of players and only a couple of players being added in here and there. One of the big transfers, quote-unquote, perhaps, might be Mbaye Diagne because he's back, he's been playing, and Umut alluded to it earlier um, against Bashakshi here. He he, I believe gave the assist, right, Umut? And uh, well, he didn't give the assist, but he was involved in the position <laughs> earlier. Uh, so like he created the position, and then uh, it, mm -hmm. it came to Emre, then Babel, then Belhanda scored it. Do you think the pressure is kind of off of him now? Because when he first arrived at Galatasaray, there was this really big expectation. He's a 13 million euro transfer. You know, they paid 10 million for him. Then they paid another three, I think, in add-ons after winning the league. He's a very expensive bird, so to speak. Like, he's, I think he's the biggest transfer in terms of expenses that you guys have made in, since Bruma, I want to say. Or, no, even more expensive than Bruma, I think. Uh, Bruma was I 10, think I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yo, Bruma was... I think Bruma was like 13 or 14. I don't He's, think... I know you sold... I think you sold him for 14 and a half or 15 or something. And yeah, I like think you, you bought him for 10 like with add-ons. Yeah, well... Yeah. Anyway, very... We all know Diagne came in with scoring an insane amount of goals. I think 20 goals in 17 games for Kasim Pasha. Then a, an enormous price tag, and really all he did when he came to Galatasaray was score penalties. I think he scored eight goals and six or something were penalties. Yeah, and you know uh, he was kind of a, a rush transfer because mm. we are in a need of uh, quality center forward, and we all we had was uh, Eran Dardio, and mm -hmm. he was not, uh, you know. In a Galatasaray caliber, so yeah. uh, uh, you, you cannot put your trust on him in a big game. So mm -hmm. uh, we, we had to buy a quality transfer on that position, and we got him. But you know, as you said, he, he didn't make a immediate impact on the team, but he was scoring it, and you know. Hmm. But, but it, it wasn't too popular yeah. with the fans either. His his body language was kind of lackluster. Um, yeah, like, do, do you, you see you a change that in it, that? That it resembles Belhanda on the field. Mm. 
but, yeah, but do like, do you see a change in that now? Does he? Does he? I don't think so, man. I, he it's like his body language. He's he, he's his own characteristic. You know, it's mm-hmm. his genetics. You know, you cannot change. Then he cannot. But, but do you think he will be more valuable to the team now, or do you think this is just like oh, I'll he'll have a he'll have a goal here and there, but maybe not. I think long. he's important because you know uh, everybody. Uh, doesn't give the recognition he needs but he you know he scored the most important goal in the league in that season you know in mm-hmm. Chaikurize away game he scored at the 93rd minute with a diving header to that cross and he gave us the win you know mm-hmm. uh, yeah you know in that it was a tie game and he just came up and scored a penalty and they that header uh, it was all our game and, yeah, yeah for sure but you know uh, do you remember I went to that Bruhe game in that uh, yes. away. yeah and <laughs> he was playing for Bruhe and I saw how our fans reacting to him like as if he's an enemy mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah I see that and I almost thought that he has no future in Galatasaray anymore but when you come to today it's all different you know he, he, everybody has some developed some trust on him and you know every, uh, not everyone but uh, most of the part are now thinking that he is capable of making a difference on the field and uh, i think most of our like uh, you know uh, pleased to see him and falco uh, on the rotation you know it's a quality deal man you know uh, when you cut Fenerbahce, they're all now uh, uh, they transferred Samata, but they were all going with Frey. Yeah, yeah. they were in a dire the same thing. All, yeah, <laughs> they, they were in a dire need. And you you look at Besiktas, they are their alternative is Umut Nair and Gwen Yalcin, uh, and you okay, have Falco and Jagna. I think it's more than enough for this mm. season, and we have to trust them. You know, and also like they're the same type of forwards, and you can change between two, switch, and mm-hmm. you know one is a target man and one is a you know poacher kind of style. Uh, he scores whenever they can possible. even play together. Yeah, but you know that will mean the you lose a, a creativity on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the big transfer, perhaps, of the last couple of weeks for Galtray has been uh, Itebo. How do you see him uh, fitting into the team? Well, uh, today he uh, made his second appearance in Galtray's shirt, and I think he he's not uh, ready uh, to like uh, appear in a Super League game for 90 minutes because uh, in his first game he played like... Uh, a small amount of time, and today he played in 90 minutes, I guess, and he appeared really good, but he, he has some room for development. Uh, he's not as aggressive, aggressive and as creative as Belhanda there or like Emre Kulinj there, but he's trying, and, and I, I know that he's not an NDIA kind of style, like, uh, uh, you know, uh, stamina kind of player, you know, uh, making tackles and, you know, 
delivering a foul there, making that aggressive movement like uh, we uh, used to have with Felipe Melo there. But uh, I don't know. We'll see how we'll react to the game. Uh, because, you know, uh, in these recent games, Thailand uh, entirely made a real improvement in this game and uh, really flashing for God's right. And I really like to see him on the field. And uh, if Etebo is a great alternative for him, uh, I would like to see him there. But I think we still need a quality number six kind of player there. Uh, like Felipe Melo or uh, Ndiaye kind of player. All right, still a couple of weeks left uh, to do that, to uh, complete the moves. Well, we're almost at the end of September, of course, now. And I think the window closes on the, I want to say the 10th of October or something like that. It, it was originally supposed to be the 4th or 5th of September, but obviously Corona move that up a little bit but uh, still some time for teams to make moves uh, and then i think that will still be something we'll be focusing on for the next couple of weeks uh, but i think that'll do it for this week's episode let's quickly head over to the results for match day two uh, and then to this and then quickly uh, recap the standing and then uh, we'll uh, round off this episode so uh yeni malatya spore and gustepe played to a 1-1 draw against sterberly and Konya Spore played to a nil-nil draw. The Nizli Spore and Trabzon Spore also drew nil-nil. Besiktas, Antalya Spore ended 1-1. Alanya Spore beat Kayseri Spore 2-0. Erzurum Spore lost at home to Demir Group Siva Spore 1-2. Kasim Pasha won against Chaikoriza Spore 2-0. Gaziantep uh, Football Club and uh, Karagumruk played to a 2-2 draw. Medipol Basakshir, the reigning defending champions, lost at home 0-2 to the previous season's champion Galatasaray. And then finally, Fenerbahce Hatay Spore ended in 0-0. And as already was mentioned, of course, this upcoming weekend we have a big match coming. Of course, arguably one of the biggest, if not the biggest match in Turkish football. Um, and that is, of course, Fener. Fenerbahce uh, Galatasaray, that's this week, right? Match day three. Uh, sorry, yeah, Fenerbahce. Yeah, it's Galatasaray, Fenerbahce, actually. Uh, pardon yeah. me. So uh, that's definitely the big one to watch out for uh, for this week, match day three. Quickly going to run down the schedule there uh, for this upcoming weekend. So we have Kara Gumruk taking on Bashakshi here. Kayseri Sport taking on Erzurum Sport. Hatay Sport will host Kasim Pasha. Gustepe host Gaziantep. Trabzon Sport against Yenemalatya Sport. Rize Sport take on Alanya Sport. Siva Sport take on Ankara Gücü. Konya Sport host Besiktas. Galatasaray hosting Fenerbahce. And finally Antalya Sport will face Denizli Sport. That's match day two. Quickly uh, look at the standings. Currently Galatasaray at the top of the table with a maximum of the points of two games. Six points and uh, the better uh, goal differential uh, with a plus four. Uh, but actually, they have the same goal differential as Itemis Alanyaspor, who are also on six points right now. But uh, the only difference there is that Galatasaray scored one goal more. So both are on plus four. Those are the only teams remaining in the league with a maximum points. Galatasaray and Alanyaspor after just two match days. Uh, and then we have three teams at the bottom of the table with zero points. Um, and those are, of course, in order of... Uh, 
ranking by Shakshi here. The last at the bottom of the table, the current champions, Rizaspor and uh, Ankara Guju. So the current league champions are currently the bottom of the table. Uh, that's definitely something to take away. We'll see how much uh, that lasts into the season. Um, it's definitely going to be interesting to see whether Bashakshir can rebound from that early bad start. Anyway, I think that'll do for this week's episode of Football Alterca. We've gone quite a while already. Um, changing up the format still a little bit. We're trying to find our way. It's, it's a lot of matches with the expansion of the Turkish Super League and also the European games and the transfer window and all this Corona thing throwing everything a little bit in a mix but um, I, I thank you once again for listening to us of course Burak, Umut and Jakub thank you very much for joining us and hopefully Uzra will be joining us in the coming weeks but he's still in the States and uh, partying hard I guess guys Actually, thank you. he's currently flying yeah uh, wasn't he going to Canada I think so he was, he's on his way to uh, a bachelor party in Canada right <laughs> in Canada right completely forgotten where he told us he was going in um, Toronto or something? Uh, yeah. In Denver, I guess. In Denver, Denver, right. Denver, you're right, 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 right. So Look, is there, I'm the only one listening to what you say. <laughs> Just remember <laughs> that, okay? <laughs> All right, you be, got, be, you, before we go, let's get your predictions for the derby for okay. Galatasaray Fenerbahce this Sunday. That's a good show. Remember, this is the last derby of my 30s Oof. as well, ladies and gentlemen. So um, I'll, I'll start. Then. I'm going to pick a Fenerbahce win. Okay, I say four nil to Galatasaray. Obviously, forty. Yeah. Thank you. That makes <laughs> that makes per that's logical. That makes sense. Um, I, I want to get Jakub's um, uh, prediction next and leave him up till last. Um, I think that you know what on paper I like I like Fenerbahce's squad more, but they don't really seem that ready for a game this big, and Galatasaray does. Um. So I want to say a draw, like like one one or two two. It, it, there will be goals. Will there be red cards? Is more important, right? Probably, probably. No fans though. Oh, it's gonna be awful. Umuts, Ajum, Kardashum, Ashum. Tell me your thoughts. <laughs> well, as I'm very pretty familiar to unexpected results in these Fenerbahce derbies, uh, I don't feel like there will be any, you know, different result this time because it's all, you know, pretty plain obvious that Galatasaray is the favorites uh, this time. And I think Galatasaray will win with a 1-2, you know, 1-0 or like 2-0 kind of thing. I don't think a 1-0. That just doesn't seem to happen between those two. Like, there's either it's going to be like a 2-0 or something, or it's going to be... You know, but, you know, it's different that because there's no crowd or, like, fans, yeah, you know, yeah, maybe, boosting maybe. them into these, uh, you know, aggressiveness and stuff. And, uh, something, you know, we haven't really talked about as well for Galtzray, but, like, Muslera, such a big yeah. factor for them yeah, in definitely. the last couple of years. But so far, Fatih Ustruk has done well, right? Yeah, but we'll see how it'll do in this <laughs> big game. You know, because uh, I think the main reason Galatasaray failed to get a Kadiko win in these, you know, big span of time in these past years was the Volkan Demiral factor. You know, mm. he was the reason, main reason that Galatasaray failed to deliver a win there. 
he was there for 15 of the 20 years basically yeah yeah so like maybe the full of that time you know <laughs> okay then i think that'll do for that but uh quickly burak i want to give you the opportunity to promote something very special that you recorded earlier this week maybe give us a little sneak peek on what that may be i have not heard this yet by the way Aha, uh -huh, indeed. So um, we, well, myself, um, conducted an interview with uh, Semra Hunter, who is the host of La Liga TV. Now, some of you may follow her on Twitter, on Instagram, or you may have seen her present La Liga TV. You may have seen her previously on Real Madrid TV or in Territor World. So it's an interview we conducted with Semra. Uh, her name is from Turkish roots. It's her grandfather. That's as much as we're going to give away. But we talk about lots of topics involving how she got into sports journalist, um, journalism, how she got her current roles, her thoughts about Turkish fans and the, the football and sports culture in Turkey. And also we go through some of her favorite interviews she's conducted, her thoughts on the growing emergence of esports as a culture and a phenomenon. And um, hopefully we're going to get it up to you before, before the weekend. So it's a great interview not too long goes on for about an hour or so and we'll make sure to let you know when it's up for you to listen to so check it out especially if you're thinking about a career as a sports journalist or a career in sports with regards to any form of journalism or media because i'm sure you'll find some bits to take away and help you with your journey well, that's uh, definitely something to look forward to and to uh, check out when that drops. We will, of course, let you know on our Twitter feed. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Football Turka, and we'll see you again next week. See you later, everyone. Thanks for listening. Have a good Goodbye. week, everyone. Si se i prođe ko vjetar preko lica Tvoj pogled i moja stara ulica jedini su Tu kad mi je dobro i kad sretan Zonem te pa šuti, da ti čujem glas. Svašta prešuti, al ne mogu, laži ona ma, proći će sto dana još. Al se neće voljet ko nas dvoje niko. Zaboravljaš me s kalendar
Da si čuvati me znala. 